My major pain has, has been invisible. The mobility aid makes it better. It gives me freedom. It can get to the core beliefs we have about ourselves. Don't ever think you're alone. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Danielle about her chronic pain. Danielle lives with several chronic pain conditions, including chronic migraines and a condition I'd never heard of before called erythromyalgia, which, according to rarediseases.org, it is characterized by intense burning pain of affected extremities, severe redness, and increased skin temperature that may be episodic or almost continuous in nature. It's noted that this condition is actually extremely variable, and Danielle will tell us about having erythromyalgia burning pain in her face. And because of the variability of this condition, it was very hard to get diagnosed. A lot of doctors don't know about this condition, according to Danielle's experience. So yeah, even getting that diagnosis was a a battle. On top of these conditions, Danielle also has a very upsetting history with dental pain. Years ago, Danielle bit into an olive that had a pit inside and it broke open her molar. She went to a dentist who had issues taking her tooth out and actually went up into the sinus area and bone, broke through the sinus cavity, and caused some issues that would continue to degrade over years. After this botched surgery, Danielle wanted to get a dental implant, but other dentists didn't really recommend that she do that because so much of the bone had been taken away. They thought that she was going to need too complex of a surgery and that it would be easier to just live without this tooth. And over time, more and more of the bone in Danielle's jaw started to degrade because there was no tooth in that one spot to stimulate the bone. And this led to extreme pain. About five years ago, Danielle entered into this period of extreme pain because of her dental situation. And she just started cycling through doctors and dentists. She'd go to a dentist who would say, go to a doctor. She'd go to the doctor, they'd say, go to the dentist. And meanwhile, she's living through excruciating pain that is getting beyond the level for her to tolerate. And she can't get anyone to take her seriously, can't get anyone to help. Doctors are recommending that she go to a psychiatrist for help. And, you know, no one is able to offer her anything. People are just throwing their hands up in the air. She even says that one doctor said, this is just in God's hands and no one would help her. This cycle of being disbelieved left Danielle in a place where she lost hope and she attempted to take her own life. And her story is harrowing. It's incredible that she actually survived. After years of living through a waking nightmare, surviving a suicide attempt, Danielle finally found a doctor who was willing to acknowledge something was wrong and help her. She went through three rounds of surgery to implant bone and a dental implant, and a lot of that jaw pain has now gone away. Although Danielle still lives with chronic pain from her migraines and erythromyalgia, this pain is now at a tolerable level, and she feels like she has a new lease on life. It's a really powerful story, and I was just riveted as she was telling it today, so I'm really excited to share it with you. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a part of the chronic illness world is that there are people who are in so much pain and lose hope because doctors won't help them, and they take their own lives. And it's a, a horrible tragedy uh, and part of this world that we talk about here on this podcast about living with chronic illness. And there is so much stigma around this that you know, people just don't talk about it. So I was so impressed by Danielle. It's a really fun and lively conversation um, because she's, you know, she's in such a good place right now. You can just feel her positive energy coming off of her. Uh, And to hear her talk about, you know, 
attempting to take her own life and waking up in a jail cell, it's shocking. But it's so amazing that she was willing to share and just such a helpful thing to be able to talk about openly and honestly, because this is a reality for so many people is, you know, the despair of feeling like feeling like you're never going to get help. We talk about medical gaslighting all the time, and it is so hard to keep going back to doctors when they won't help you, when they won't believe you. And especially if you're in so much pain that you can barely think straight, you know, people feel like they are out of options. So, uh, you know, the, the message of this story is that there is always hope. There is always something new to try. There is always someone out there that might be willing to help. It's getting to that point and fighting through so much horror to try to get to the point where you can actually get help. Uh, and, you know, Danielle talks about how grateful she is that she finally found that help and how how lucky she feels that that her attempt to take her own life was unsuccessful because she's now in such a good place. So it's really, it's shocking. It's amazing that she made it through and it's it makes for a really great episode. I'm thrilled to share it with you today. It probably goes without saying, but we do cover some very heavy topics on the show today. So this this episode absolutely deserves a content warning. I talked to Danielle about this. You know, I never know if, if this is helpful or not, uh, but we both agreed that it was a good idea to uh, just tell you at the front of the show that we are covering attempted self-harm in this episode. And, uh, you know, to, to give you a resource at the front of the show, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, if you are in crisis and you need someone to talk to, this number is available. Available to you 24 hours a day. The number is 1-800-273-8255. So if you need someone to talk to, please do not hesitate to reach out. Something we talk about a lot in this episode is, is this idea that, you know, when you're struggling through something like this and no one believes you and you feel like you can't talk to anyone because it makes you feel like a burden, that weight can become crushing. And being able to talk to someone about it, it can be so powerful. So if you need someone to talk to, there's always someone available at the National National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. Before we get into our conversation today, as always, I have to thank all of the listeners who support this podcast through Patreon. If you are interested in learning how to support this show financially with monthly contributions, head over to patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. We have three subscription tiers starting at just $2 per month, and all tiers gain access to bonus monthly episodes with myself and my partner Andy, and there are also gifts and special recognition for the various tiers. Extra special thank you to our Patreon producers who are supporting this show at the highest tier of $25 per month, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Danielle herself, who we'll be interviewing today, is one of our $7 per month patrons. You can hear her name in the end credits of every episode, along with the rest of our $7 per month patrons and our $25 per month producers. Uh, but you can sign up for as little as $2 to support this show every month. And right now, 100% of the monthly financial support that I receive from this podcast is coming through Patreon. So any support is greatly, greatly appreciated. Head to patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. There is a link in the description of this episode, or you can head to our website, majorpainpodcast.com slash support to learn about all the ways you can help to support this show. Andy and I just recorded our bonus episode for the month of June. We gave some health updates on both of our situations because Andy did have a vocal injury 
while she was working on a production at the Fifth Avenue Theater. So we give some updates on that. She just got the clear to talk again. So we get to actually talk to Andy this month instead of using the text-to-speech bot that we used last month. So that was great. Um, we had a lot of fun. We talked about a ton of TV that we've been watching, including the uh, season finale of Star Trek Picard and the beginning of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Uh, we talked about watching all the way through Ted Lasso and the first season of Severance, which was astonishingly good. And of course, we talked about the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So we had a great time as always. And you can find that uh, on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash major pain podcast. And that is available to everyone who supports the podcast through Patreon. Another huge way that is very helpful to support this show is by leaving us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or leaving us a positive rating on Spotify or, you know, any other podcast platform that you listen on that offers ratings and reviews. I always, always appreciate that. It's a great way to help the show reach new listeners. And if you leave a rating and review on any platform other than Apple Podcasts and you'd like me to read it on the show, just take a screenshot, email it to me, and I'm very happy to share that. Majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. And I do keep my eye on the Apple Podcasts reviews and do share those on the show as they come in. I have a quick update on my own health journey. I've been talking a lot about seeing my new doctor who has run a ton of new tests. And I've been so excited about the level of care that I've been receiving with this new doctor. And I just spoke with her last Thursday and I had a really rough appointment. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I'm going to vent about it for just a second because, you know, th this is part of the ups and downs of chronic illness, but uh, I scheduled a 40-minute appointment at my doctor's request so we could have a ton of time to talk, and my doctor was about half an hour late, and I only got about 15 minutes to talk with her, and, you know, I had a lot of updates I wanted to share with her because she has me trying out all these different medications, and I have definitely been feeling some, you know, better days on the medication, but I, I'm not sure which medication it is that's helping, and I'm trying to parse through all of that, and I wanted to talk through it with her. And she did that thing that doctors always do, where, you know, you start talking to a doctor and they just keep interrupting you and talking really fast over you because they have so little time and they need to get through it quickly. And then trying to end the Zoom call uh, after doing that because she's got to go because she ran out of time. And I'm there thinking to myself, you know, this is not my fault that you are half an hour late and I only have, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to talk to you. I have a lot that I have to say, but... Um, after her, you know, kind of interrupting me and pushing through what I was trying to say like three or four times, I, I just, you know, I'm dealing with brain fog over here and I just felt kind of steamrolled and I just said, okay, I'll talk to you next time. And I was so upset after, you know, I, Andy was there with me at the appointment and I just, you know, started yelling as soon as it was done because... I've been so excited about this new doctor and all the tests she's willing to run and the fact that she was seems so willing to just sit down and listen to me and to have her do this thing that I've experienced so many times that I now have just a lot of trauma around, you know, like anytime a doctor does this to me, it triggers my trauma response and I start to freeze up and I have a hard time expressing myself from that point forward. It reminded me of the importance of always taking notes before the appointment so I have a list of things to talk about because I forgot a couple things I wanted to say because I just, my brain shut down because I just felt so pushed. Um, yeah, and it was just, a, it was awful. It was an awful feeling. And I've spent the, the few days since then just thinking about it and thinking about how, you know, 
this is not the end of my relationship with this doctor. This is one appointment. And she didn't say anything mean. You know, she didn't say anything like doubting my experience. She was very positive and she's trying to be as helpful as she can, but she just wasn't hearing me. And I, I need my doctor to hear me. I need to have a doctor that hears me. You know, it's so important to me. Um, so, I don't know. I've been putting so much stock in this new relationship. If she couldn't hear me this one time, maybe she'll hear me next time. And I need to remind myself that it's worth trying again. And, you know, I've already gotten a lot of great information from this doctor. I've got, uh, I think, three different referrals that I am now waiting for other appointments and other tests that she's willing to run. And, you know, the, the level of care is still very high. Um, but yeah, th there's still this, this, fear every time I talk to her that that something like this will happen where I won't feel heard. And, you know, I had a nightmare about it the day before talking to her. And then to have it happen just really sent me off in this anxiety spiral. So, it's one of those things I just got, you know, it feels good to say it out loud to an audience of people who I know will understand and who've been through the same thing. I'm trying to keep, keep my head out of it now and just let it go and uh, keep myself open to her being helpful the next time. I'm going to take some notes before that next appointment for sure. And yeah, just keep moving forward one step at a time. And, you know, I, I feel like I kind of wanted to lay down some of the burden of trying to find my own diagnosis by passing it off to a professional. And I'm realizing that I can't do that. I have to hold that until we get the answer. I can't put that trust in anyone because no one else in the universe is as interested in finding my diagnosis as I am. So I have to manage that. You know, it's not an option for me to put that down. As much as I'd love to find a doctor who's willing to just take that burden from me and find the answer, uh, I want to outsource the problem. You know, that's how it feels like it should work with doctors, but that's not the way it is. I have to stay vigilant. I have to keep pushing. And this was a good reminder of that. So it's going to be a minute before I have more updates about my health, just because of the practicality of what the next month is going to look like for me. I'm going to be in and out of town for all of June. Andy and I are traveling first for a wedding, and then we're going back to Tahoe for our yearly Tahoe trip, uh, which I'm so excited for. You know, we talked about our Tahoe trip on the podcast last year. We did a whole episode about how great of a trip it was, and I'm really hoping for the same this year. Uh, I'm going to try to have episodes coming out regularly. I might miss a week. Week. Uh, worst case scenario, I might miss two weeks this month. I'm really trying not to. I've got enough episodes recorded to get me through uh, the next three weeks at least, and I have an episode uh, a recording scheduled to hopefully get me through the whole month. So I'm hoping to not have a break at all, but if that last recording doesn't happen, I won't be in town to... Uh, to get an, a replacement done. Um, and I'm trying to prep episodes and have them ready to go before I leave town. So yeah, so fingers crossed, I'm, gonna, I'm doing everything I can to make this work out to not have a gap in the podcast. Uh, I, that's really what I'd like to make happen. And if I miss a week, I apologize in advance. We'll see what happens as the month goes along. I do have a couple days in between these trips where I'm in town. And you know, there's absolutely always the possibility that my health will not keep up with me as I'm doing this traveling, in which case I, you know, I might physically be unable to get some of these episodes out. So it's it's going to be a little uh, a little wait and see. But I do know that I won't have any updates for my health for at least the next month because uh, you know I'm not even going to be seeing any doctors in that time, and a, a lot of my appointments are coming up, you know, a few months in the future just because it's so hard to get in different places. And then also my genetic testing, we got that sent off, and it's going to be a couple months before I get that back. So I might hit a little dead zone here where I don't have any new information, uh, but I'll definitely keep you updated when more comes in. 
The last thing I'll remind you of before we jump into our conversation with Danielle today is that my guest and I are not medical professionals. Uh, So please do not take any medical action based off of what you hear on this podcast without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we'll jump into our conversation with Danielle and her incredible story about surviving chronic pain. Danielle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I am so excited to talk to you today. We've been uh, scheduling and rescheduling a bit, and I'm so excited to finally get to hear your story. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat with you. I also, this is a great opportunity to thank you personally for supporting this podcast through Patreon. I appreciate that so much. Oh, of course. So I know know you're a listener and you've been a huge supporter of the podcast, and I'm thrilled to have you as a guest and to be able to share your story. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's get to know you a little bit. Danielle, uh, why don't you tell us about yourself? Well, um, I currently live in the San Diego area and grew up in the Los Angeles area, moved out here to go to college, to San Diego State, and graduated in 97. And then um, shortly after I graduated, I actually met my husband. And um, unfortunately, I'm in the process of a divorce at this point in time after 22 years, but it's okay. Um, and I decided to say, obviously stay in the San Diego area and I love it here and I'm fortunate to have my mom here also. And I have a 20 year old son who is also living with me. And we actually, my son and I just moved in with my mom who's in our neighborhood. And actually my mom who has been really healthy has actually, um, been dealing with a health issue. It's an auto rare autoimmune issue. So she is now not going out very much and needing help. So it's kind of nice to be able to be here with her, living with her and helping her where I can. And just kind of her sister was living with her for a while to help her out. So my son and I are now with her and it's all working out really good. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that, I mean, I'm pretty much, you know, I've been out of work for the last five years due to pain issues and the health conditions I've been dealing with. They came on kind of suddenly but always had a like a um, background in public relations and um, sales, and then in the last like I my last job was actually with a wellness um, company in San Diego, and a pretty well known one actually, and I worked there for twelve years um, in sales and selling wellness programs, and then um, that include like yoga, meditation. Uh, wellness seminars (laughs) and um, ended up going into sales management and doing sales management with the sales team. And then um, just ended up pretty abruptly, to be Mm. honest, because of health. Yeah. And pain issues. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Happened over a course of a couple months. It kind of built. And then the very beginning of 2016, um, I just literally could not walk, go walk into work the next day. Wow. And I just kept, I took a leave of absence and was never able to go back. Yeah. We were just talking before yeah. we started recording how yeah. our timelines are very similar. That yeah. I was at like the end of 2016, I think, when my health okay. flared up. Yeah. And we also share an alma mater. I grew up in San Diego yes. and I also went to San Diego <laughs> State. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you just trans- yeah. transitioned us perfectly into your health journey. So let's jump yeah. into that. Danielle, okay. what is your major pain? So my major pain is um, 
well, chronic migraines. I started getting migraines uh, for the first time when I was pregnant 20 years ago, and they were always manageable. My primary doctor always just prescribed like a basic tryptin that would just, you know, stop the migraine and I'd be able to keep working. Usually didn't have to leave work over it. Uh, did sometimes, you know, just kind of depended, but it wasn't, it was like a once a month, you know, situation. Um, I stayed home with my son for two and a half years, went and then went back to work. Um, but so I managed it fine. Just was not a big, not a huge deal, just in more of an inconvenience. And when I would get a bad one, it was just, yeah, it was bad, but didn't disrupt my life. But mm-hmm. so then, um, but five years ago, I had an onset of all these weird things happening where I started getting really bad jaw pain, neck pain, migraines. But the the other thing too, as I started, um, I also, another major pain is something called erythromyalgia, which I didn't have a diagnosis for. So migraines are straightforward, but um, this onset with erythromyalgia started to happen and I was at work and I would get, start to feel like migrainey, but then like my face would just start burning. Mm. So, um, you know, long story short, I now have a diagnosis for the burning and almost no one has heard of it, nor most doctors. And, um, at the tail end by doing research, I found a doctor fortunately in San Diego that was able to acknowledge it, that it's a real thing. It's not just anxiety or anything, that it's a real condition and it's a neurovascular condition. So it's neurological and vascular, but it really feels even more vascular to me. But, um, so therefore like the migraines kind of, they trigger each other. It's this kind of vicious cycle, but the primary thing is like, I'm always burning and it happens like, it's very strange because it happens, um, you know, like at, almost always at four or five o'clock in the afternoon. And then when I'm sleeping and then when I wake up and then it kind of wears off. And so, um, so my major pain would be, you know, erythromyalgia, chronic migraine, and then just overall chronic pain, um, with my neck is really bad. Like I have a bulging disc, but you know, I know there's plenty of people with that that don't have problems, but it's just, I think I'm, it's just at all, it's all cyclical, like kind of triggers each other. And then, but what really took off was TMJ. Mm-hmm. So, so jaw pain. Um, and what kind of made me stop working really, the burning was starting to happen at work at like four o'clock. And I would like leave because I felt hot and everyone would notice and I wouldn't feel right. And then, um, but I was getting really bad jaw pain. And so, um, the jaw pain was like starting to become unmanageable. And that's a whole nother story because I thought I needed a root canal. <laughs> so, you know, the major pain then going back TMJ, chronic pain, <laughs> neck, yeah. you name it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's so I've never heard of erythro- erythromyalgia. Is that yeah, how you say it? Yeah. It's like an E. It starts with an E. Okay. It's E-R-Y, erythromyalgia. Yeah, so it's basically the opposite kind of of what happens with um, Raynaud's, Raynaud's yeah, disease. Yeah, Raynaud's disease. That's when your fingers yeah. and toes get really cold and like lack of uh, yeah. lack of uh, circulation. Lack of, they, uh, turn, circulation. they turn purple, right? Yeah, it's like the opposite. So Raynaud's, I think, is like if you wrapped a rubber band around the tip of your finger, cuts off the circulation, and then it turns white or... You know, um, so for me, it's like all the blood in my vessels, they pool, like they collect 
in the blood vessel in my extremities. So um, for many people that have it, it's very rare, but for people that have it, um, it can just be your hands and your feet. That's the most common. And um, I did have it in my hands and my feet, but fortunately over time, I was able to find that doctor and he did try me on one medication he thought might work. And it fortunately did help a lot. Um, So it's helped my feet and my hands, but I get it primarily in my ears and my face. So, yeah. And does this medication help with the ears and the face? Yeah, it does. It does. What it is, is it allows me to like function Hmm. and it allows me to sleep because what happened is it was like, I was getting it in my face, but I was getting it so bad in my feet at night. So when you're like, you have to be kind of upright and elevated, but like when you're laying down, it's like the blood collects more. And so I get it really bad when I'm sleeping and it was waking me up and I could not sleep. Mm. So I was really getting sleep deprived and I was really sleep deprived for a long time. Um, And I didn't get diagnosed with this for like three years. Like I took like three years. Um, And so, yeah, the, um, the medication has helped fortunately. And um, because otherwise it was unbearable with my feet. What is the medication that helps? So yeah, it's an, it's an antidepressant. It's venlafaxine. Okay. Yeah. It's I've also heard of called that. Effexor. Yeah. Effexor. And I'd never really been doing under, uh, well, I, they did try me on antidepressant before for the very first neurologist I saw for other stuff and that didn't help at all. But, um, this is kind of the first thing that started to make a difference in the whole process of things. Yeah. And so, Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did the erythromyalgia and TMJ, did they both flare up at the same time five years yeah. ago? Yeah. It Just out of nowhere. Happened. Yeah. So and this is what gets weird is to most people, it's not to me, but I had had a really bad extraction um, about eight years prior and it was a molar. I'd never have an, had an extraction before. Oh, I tooth extraction. Yeah. Mm. I'd had a tooth extraction and um, I had been at a party for a birthday party with my son and I bit into a bite of some salad that was being served. And there was an olive in the, um, (laughs) the salad and there was a pit in the olive. And I, I didn't know. And I bit clean right into the olive pit and it broke open my, um, molar like clean in half. Wow. So like I left right away and we left. And then my dentist said, okay, well, I'll see you as my last pay. I called him. I'll see you on Monday as my last patient. I'll just you know, take a look at it. if I had to take it out, I'll take out your tooth. He took out my tooth. He was really young and new and he was having complications getting the tooth out. And, um, I'm normally just fine at the dentist, no problem with the dentist, but it started to become a big problem. And I mean, just like coming out in little pieces, it's not to be gross, but coming out in little pieces and he's having trouble getting it out and he's having trouble. And then he's starting to get like, into my sinus area and then into the bone. And then it was an ordeal. And so I had to go see a special dentist, like dentist the next day to get the rest of the tooth out. And, um, it ended up getting up and like, anyway, he kind of broke through my sinus cavity and all that. And I didn't realize all that was even like, could be an issue, you know? And so long story short is time went by without this molar. And I put off getting it fixed because of being busy and working and I'm just, it's just missing a tooth, you know, and I didn't think a whole lot of it as time went on. And then over the course of the years, I decided I better go get maybe an implant 
tooth put in and then the the dentist I would see be like, oh yeah, you know, there's not a lot of bone there anymore. So when you lose a tooth, you start to lose bone over the years because I don't know if you know this, but the longer you're missing teeth, um, your bones start to erode in your jaw, in your mouth. And that's why like people with dentures sometimes look kind of like they're mouth is sunken in over the years oh, interesting yeah because they start the bone starts to degrade okay and so you need you need you need tooth you need um tooth to stimulate so the bone will stay intact and so that's why implants are good dental implants because they simulate a tooth hmm. and so the the bones stay healthy but if you're missing your teeth your other teeth may start to fall out um, dental issues are actually to me a medical thing and I wish they would be considered medical because they can affect your whole entire health and body. Yeah. Like they even say like dental decay can affect your heart. Um, and I feel like it's not cosmetic. I mean, I know it can be, but like missing teeth to some people is not a big deal. But for me, unfortunately, just over the years, years and years went by without a tooth and literally because of kind of the damage he did when removing the tooth and then me not getting help. Like I literally had a, a oral surgeon go, yeah, you don't have enough bone really left to even put an implant in. So I'd have to like try to implant some bone. And he was like, eh, I don't know if I could it'll take. So I put it off and I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay, whatever. So time went on. And then all of a sudden I just started having really, really bad jaw pain. And I thought, God, I wonder if it's because of the missing tooth and missing bone or, you know, wonder. And so, uh, yeah, I, I do really know it is part of it and it's rare and it's, it, I started to get, cause I was chewing primarily on one side of my mouth, you know, not even thinking about it. And it started to throw my bite off, um, missing the tooth. I was starting to have less structure in my mouth and it felt after a while, like my face was collapsing and I know it sounds insane. And I would go to the ER I went to the ER like 12 times in one year, just, and I know that's not a place where they can diagnose or anything, but I was just so desperate for help. I, I started to have the most crushing face pain of my life and jaw pain and then my neck and then it, the migraines and the burning. And it was just like, I knew I wasn't crazy, but in the ER, they thought I was crazy. And yeah. then I had on occasion, a doctor that would know something's wrong. And I had one go, well, maybe you have trigeminal neuralgia. Yeah. And that is, are you familiar with that trigeminal neuralgia? A little bit. Yeah. Tell, yeah tell us about it's it. like, it's considered like a suicide disease. It's super painful face and jaw pain. Yeah. And it's something from what I understand that um, you can just get out of nowhere and there can be some kind of pressure on the trigeminal nerve. Mm -hmm. Um or you just have it for unknown reasons. And so I thought, oh, maybe that's what it is, trigeminal neuralgia. And so, you know, which is not too treatable, but you can try treating it with antidepressants and whatnot. But in the meantime, so, you know, I've been in all this pain and um, I would just say I'm having, cru you know, crushing, crushing face pain, jaw pain. And when you start to get into like, oh, and then my teeth were starting to hurt. So what it is, is just all the nerves were just set off basically. Mm. And the reason going fast forward, I know part of it is the missing tooth and bone is because at this very end here, 
and it's on my Instagram. I posted me and my doctor that saved my life, literally saved my life because I saw over a hundred doctors between dentists, neurologists, you name it, because I also thought it felt like I needed dental work. It felt like I need, I, and that's what trigeminal neuralgia can sometimes feel like you need a root canal. And that's how it felt. Like my very first attempt was to go in to see an endodontist for a root canal. And I went through the whole thing and he's like, oh, you don't need a root canal. You're fine. And I'm like, oh, and then what do I do now? If it's not a root canal, you know, it, it feels. And so, so I kind of jump around because the whole process was just kind of jumping around. And, um, I would say the pain just got progressively worse. Like it was just, it became so unmanageable. I'm trying to go to doctors and do things in so much pain. And then I would just, you get wiped out too. Mm -hmm. You know, you just get wiped out and then you're like, I'm a like, I'm good at research and, and problem solving, but you can't when you're, you know, when you're in so much pain after a while, but long story short, jumping forward real quick, the doctor though, that I did see he's in San Diego. He actually moved his practice from Boston to San Diego. And fortunately I found this guy. And when I walked in to his, he's a, he actually has a school where he teaches dentists um, how to do dental implants and dentistry and bone grafting and gum grafting. And I had heard about him through when a, through a dentist and he was like the person that literally looked at my face and says, I can see you have a problem just by looking at your face mm. and I, to even be acknowledged like that, he could see that like the asymmetry was completely off that I was pulling to one side. And he said, you have a facial collapse going on. And I said, this is the guy, like, this is the first person to acknowledge something that no one would ever talk about. I went to UCLA, UCLA, um, my official pain clinic, the dental school there, like my, my husband would drive me all the way out to UCLA, which is um, in Los Angeles, so a two-hour drive. And I went thinking, oh, maybe if I go there. So the head of the the pain clinic there saw me, and you know, I'm in really bad pain. And this is in the first first year of the pain. And um, I mean, with me in seconds, I told him my my pain situation, and he just you know, like many of them threw his hands up and just said, well, I'm sorry, but it's in God's hands. Hmm. And my heart sank because I knew that, first of all, I don't think that's appropriate to say, you know, to somebody. Um, and it felt like, like, what am I going to do now? <laughs> yeah. um, and so, but he said, but let me try to help you as best I can. And he had like, what, you know, one of the practicing students there give me some exercises to help stretch my jaw because my jaw was really tight too. And he told me I've got to calm down and I'm too hyper-focused on the pain and I got to get out of my head. And I just was sick to my stomach sitting there and I was in so much pain and, you know, you, you like, you can't even say anything back. And then he said he would continue to try to help me though, but then I'd have to see a psychologist at UCLA upstairs before he would even like really try to help me and do x-rays or do anything. Yeah. And I'm like, he thinks I'm crazy. And I was at such a loss. I just went with it. And I just went to the psychologist and I sat there and I listened, but I just had nothing in me at that point. And 
Um, I said, I felt hopeless basically because this man's not going to help me. I said, and he said, well, Danielle, if there was something wrong, like mechanically, he, he would help you. He would be able to help you. But I knew there was something wrong. And fast forward now, I find Dr. Lee in San Diego, who's like, he's very unique. He practices and teaches around the world. He teaches lectures and he helps in third world countries and he helps people with very difficult situations. And he did surgeries on me and implanted bone. Wow. And he said, you need stability in your mouth and you have no bone. It's just sinus. So I had teeth and then like no bone, just sinus exposed. And he went in and did three surgeries, three rounds. And I was like, you know, so ill from pain and shaking and just horrible. But he put me under and um, the first surgery was five, was five hours. And then he did another one a month apart, but he's just fearless and willing to do whatever it took. He's from Korea, South Korea. And he's actually like, you know, American doctors, sometimes they're just afraid of getting sued or they just so hands off. They just, you know, he just didn't care. He just wanted to help me. And he saw the problem. And I was extremely fortunate to find someone that could recognize that there was something really wrong. And um, fortunately, since, you know, he was able to help me, a lot of the jaw pain has gone away. Wow. And I remember my mom saying, you know, will, the, will this help the pain? Her asking, he's like, I don't know, but I'm just going to try. I'm just going to do whatever I can to help you. And like, it's almost, I'm almost in tears over it because every time you mentioned, I mentioned my jaw or my teeth, people literally thought, oh, she's crazy. And it's just be like, or, oh, you just need to see a dentist. Then you go to the dentist and they're like, oh, you just need to see a doctor. And then, <laughs> oh, an ENT can't help you. Like your nose and throat can't help you. Like, I mean, it was like crazy making. And so I thought it felt like I was just in a bad dream, the whole thing. Yeah. And my mom knew, my mom knew she was the only one that recognized I was completely sane, completely in pain. Like, and my husband at the time did too, but he would also kind of escape it, you know, with drinking at night and things like that, because it was so painful for him to probably watch. And in the process of the five years of this, it's changed my life completely. Like, um, I've become just, you know, I kind of have a new lease on life, to be honest. And um, I'm just kind of living in my own truth now, knowing that I have been right all along. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to live my life as truthfully and open. And I'm way more blunt than I ever was. I'm way more approachable than I ever was. I don't have to be perfect anymore. I don't have to always have my makeup on. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's changed everything. So when you go through the amount of pain I was in, I mean, I got to the point where I tried to take my life. Um, and I've never been at a, never in a million years thought I would ever get to a point like that in my life because I've never really been depressed. Um, though this whole thing became extremely depressing, but, um, I just literally could not take another minute in pain and I have a son and, you know, he was in elementary to high school at the time. That was the only thing keeping me hanging on was my kid. And I knew my mom would understand. I knew my husband. I knew people would understand if I did what I had to do and take my life. Well, maybe they wouldn't, but my mom and my husband would because they saw. 
they knew, they knew it was unbearable pain. Um, and when I say that, I mean like my jaw, my face, you know, I do have burning and I do have migraines and neck pain still, but that's all just day-to-day pain. You know, it's bearable. It's manageable. I have my routine, you know, you get your routine going that, that gives you comfort and, you know, I don't go far from home, you know, like, but I found, and I have a therapist and she, you know, it's a new lifestyle. Um, and I'm happy because I'm at least not in that excruciating pain where it is not livable. And so I kept hanging on, hanging on, but you know, it just got to a point. I couldn't take another minute in pain, this kind of pain. Um, and then to have a, like also that being told kind of like I'm crazy (laughs) and I know I'm not crazy. It's almost like a bad movie. I would tell my mom, God, it's like, I'm in a bad movie where, you know, you're trapped in this, you know, you just, you're just trapped and no one believes you. And you're trying to convince people, (laughs) you know, very strange feeling. You know how, I mean, you know how it is. Oh yeah. I've lived it. You're living it. And so I think people in kind of our world get it that, why you get to a point where you just literally can't feel like you can't go another day or another minute. Yeah. And so I ended up trying to take my life um, and just having to let go of what was going to be, was going to be with my son and my family. Um, But I did not, I survived. Obviously I'm here. Thank God. Now, thank God. Um, but I had tried to drown and three o'clock in the morning away from the house because I didn't want anyone to see me. I didn't definitely did not want like my son or anyone to see me. Um, and da- I did not want to damage them any for, you know what I mean? Like I'm always concerned about other people and what are they going to go through or experience? I really, the, my biggest fear was like, Oh my God, am I going to ruin my kid's life? You know? And I, but you get to a point you're just so desperate you know, you're just so desperate. So I survived and, um, woke up in a, uh, believe it or not, a jail, a jail cell holding cell. Wow. Oh my <laughs> God. So you tried I, to drown yourself. You passed I tried out to drown myself in a heart in the Oceanside Harbor and, and you passed and, out and woke up in a jail cell. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So as um, I mean, you you were in yeah. the water, and as far as you knew, your life had ended. But then you wake up. No, no. This is what's crazy. So I had done some research, and I was trying to plan it, and I had Xanax, which I don't take, don't rarely take. So I had a full bottle, but it was given to me to try with you know anxiety, and so I'm like, okay, I've got this thing of Xanax sitting here. I'm going to take this bottle. I know it won't kill me, but I'll take it drink it down. I went to like, a, um, hadn't bought wine in a while, got a wine with a twist off top and took it down by the water at 3am in the Oceanside Harbor, drove there myself and drank down like the whole thing of, uh, Xanax with the, or ate the Xanax, swallowed the Xanax Mm -hmm. with a cup of wine, like a a coffee cup of wine. And I literally was hovering over like down by the water and I was going to just pass out, fall into the water. Mm. (laughs) And, um, I didn't land on the water Oh wow! and I woke up in a, in a gel cell. 
Wow. So the police found me and they found, and everything I know is because of what I was told uh-huh. with the, the waking, like I remember waking up and I was kind of putting it together and kind of putting together where I was, but I was just so out of it. And I think I had been passed out for hours and hours. What's crazy is I kind of died like in that jail cell. Like they just left me there. I, lo- <laughs> I woke up on a piece of cement, which is, which is, you know, I've only told one really good friend uh, about this story. And because I just recently started to talk about it and just a couple of years ago, and um, my friend was shocked that because her brother, unfortunately, took his life because of pain. So she was the friend that I thought I could talk to and I could. And she totally was the best friend to talk to about it. And she was shocked that like I was in a jail cell like for hours and hours unattended to by any paramedics or any medical yeah. staff, anybody. And I thought, you know, they must have thought I was like some drug addict housewife. Because here I am in this nice new Acura, you know, pulled up at the Oceanside Harbor with my drugs and my bottle of wine, you know, and they probably thought I was just doing, I, this is my assumption is that, oh, she's just some housewife doing drugs. I, I but, can't believe they didn't take you to a, a hospital or didn't yeah that's shocking i, I can't believe you survived that's because they found the bottle they found the empty bottle of xanax yeah right next to me and i only know because my husband said that they found an empty bottle of xanax next to you he described it to me what they saw because when they took me away i wasn't even aware like i've never been blacked out like to the point where like that like yeah. i'm dead like wow. it was like I was dead. And so long story short, I woke up in the jail cell and was just like sitting there and another lady came in from some party. It was in there with me and asking me if I was at the same party. And I'm just like, what? And I ended up, they, then I went home. My, my husband and my mom came and got me. They found me because I left a letter. Um, and so my husband knew like, oh, wow, you know, and so he was panicking, but they found me, they traced my phone hmm. and they found me in the Oceanside um, or the Oceanside Police Department. And um, they came and got me. I mean, I have a mugshot and everything like that they showed me. I'm like, what? Like, wow. I don't even know how they got a mugshot on me, but it was just crazy. But, um, you know, it. <sighs> It ended up being that I did go to the hospital because I was like, not well, I was actually physically ill and I kept having chest pain. And (laughs) so I did go to the hospital actually um, the next day. Um, My mom called 911 and just had paramedics come. She didn't know. She called our doctor first. He said, she, he said, oh, she might be overdosing, which, um, was probably too late after the fact, but my mom was freaked out. And so I went to the hospital and then there they, they came in, they had me on like a suicide watch. And then they asked me if I wanted to go to like a war, like a suicide ward type place, a mental health facility, downtown San Diego. And I just didn't even know what to do. I was still in just really bad physical pain though, but I just didn't even know what to do at that point. So I went, but it really wasn't the right place for me because I really wasn't you know, unfortunately, the, most of the people that were in there, it was more, it seemed more mental, like depression, or it could have been a number of things, who knows, I actually got to talk to quite a few people. And it was kind of cathartic to be able to connect with other people in pain, whatever pain they were in, but just people that had gone through just immediate pain, like myself, 
and you're just, you, you let your guard down a hundred percent and you're just like open and talking to people. And that was actually a, a pretty good experience, but I got out of there pretty quick because I was in too much physical pain to even be in there. Like I had to be home and be comfortable. And the place was really, really rough to be in. Hmm. So just comfort wise, I was sharing a room with a woman, the beds were old, the situation was just, it's an old facility and it just wasn't really where I needed to be. I just didn't know what to do. So, um, you know, fast forward over time, I just kept surviving it. I just kept, I just kept surviving until I finally got enough help to get over the hump. And I could just kept thinking, I just got to get over the hump with this pain and I can do this. You know, I can. And um, fortunately, I'm here today, like, you know, to testify that, you know, uh, there's definitely hope out there. I mean, I know it doesn't work out for everybody, but, um, you know, I'm beyond grateful that it has for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a, what yeah. a story. I mean. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like the. there's so many things about this that are so upsetting, you know, like going to a doctor and being told that your pain is not valid or not real when you're in so much pain that you're thinking about taking your own life. Yeah. And a doctor will just say, oh, well, you know, we'll just have you talk to a psychologist or a psychiatrist and they can convince you to not be in pain anymore. You know, I know that that feeling I've experienced that as well. And like that sinking feeling you describe of like, Oh, so not only are you not going to help me, but like help doesn't exist because right, like, right. because then this what? is how doctors are going to respond to me when I go right. in asking for help is telling me that yep. it's my fault and that I have some sort of, you know, emotional reason why I'm in so much pain when you in fact right. have a physical reason and no one was willing to look deep enough to find the physical reason. Right. Like one bad olive. <laughs> right. But that's why I know my therapist, because yeah. I have a therapist and she's like, one bad olive. Like, yeah. Set that off. And like, if I told anybody that on the street, they would think I'm crazy. Like, no way. A dental pain can't be that bad. Yeah. But, and I even had a dentist tell me, well, a lot, a lot of people are missing their teeth. They don't have problems. You know, you hear that kind of thing. And it's right. like, well, but. I could be that percent that does. Exactly. Like we won't yeah. test for this disease. It's too rare. You're too young. Right. You know, you're a lot of young. people have this yes. and don't have that. Yes. And like a lot of other people <laughs> get by with the amount of pain that you're in. It's like, you don't know right. what pain I'm in. You can't feel my yeah. pain. That's the yeah. problem here is that like, right. it's impossible to know what someone else is experiencing. And when, yeah. when the medical system is kind of set up around disbelieving the patient and assuming yeah. that the patient is like drug seeking or lying or attention that seeking yeah. without trying yeah. to discover what's actually going on or, or help that person, you know, yeah. people lose hope. People live yeah. in pain. They live in despair and it, yeah. it's horrible. Like it's so unfair, you know, like, it is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. what happens too is I was finding there's like the category where they don't believe you, which is, a lot of what was going on also because of I'm like, you know, a blonde, small woman that looks like she should be perfectly fine. Oh, it's like these assumptions must be being made about. I know, obviously, they're assuming something and like, like uh, seeking pain medication or like you name it. And, oh, here she comes again in the ER. You know, I literally started to have that happen. And I knew I got I understood but I just kept trying because I'm desperate, you know, then you have the category of doctors where, 
you go in and they just, they, they, they don't know what to do with you. They can't help you. And they know, so they just push you off very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I get it. They're busy and they, your number and the, you know, and not like that to all doctors at all, not, but most of them, and it's a system and they're just trying to get through the system, whether it's the ER or it's the regular daily practice. Like my primary care doctor I've seen for 20 years and he knows me. Okay. So he knows me really well. He knows I'm not out seeking pain. He knows me enough. Whereas most of these doctors don't know me from anybody. Um, and he just couldn't help me. Like he just didn't know what to do. And I could feel his frustration. And I know he was kind of dreading it when I would come in. Cause it's like, shoot, what am I going to do with her? <laughs> you know? And it was frustrating for him and, but he's busy too, you know, and he's doing the best he can. And we're both sitting there like, what the heck are we, you know, do we do? But honestly, he, over time was able to get me to a neurologist that was really helpful because the first neurologist I saw was terrible, mm -hmm. <laughs> gave me one medication and kept upping it and upping it. And I started getting hallucinations <laughs> really bad, really bad. And I was calling in and telling them and then, oh, well, let's back out down, back down the medication. It's too high. And I'm thinking, well, why can't you try a different medication? Or why can't we do something else? Like it was just like the, the limit in this lady in this practice was terrible. So um, my primary doctor got me to a neurologist that was way more outside the box, way more um, open-minded to just trying things with me. And he was one of the first doctors too, that was like, he saw how bad I was. Mm. He's seen a lot of bad cases with migraine. His specialty is migraine. So, um, he started and he knew I had TM jaw pain and all runs the gamut and he didn't know what the burning was. <laughs> um, and, but he said, but I can at least, you know, let's at least try and treat you though. And so I was like, oh my God, thank God. Someone that's not afraid. Because they're usually afraid of me. Why is that the exception when a doctor's like, well, we can try. We can at least yeah, try. Yeah, he's like, let's try, you know. And yeah. I was like, oh good, someone's going to do something. Because honest to God, I would try to pretend like I'm not in pain. Just so they would help me. Because it's like I was scaring people off. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, Danielle, you know, hold it together. So they don't think I'm in that. So I'm, well, I seem somewhat normal and, but he, he saw I was in pain and he's like, let's, and he was the referral for my doctor and he worked with my doctor before. And, um, he was, he's done a lot of research on migraine and he was able to just start the Botox for migraine treatments. Hmm. And he said, let's at least do that. I can do it in your jaw. I can do it in your, you know, neck, head, shoulders, all of that. So he does like 37 quick injections throughout my head, neck, shoulders, jaw. And it took, you know, it's every three months and it's, um, wasn't, you know, I was in so much pain. I was kind of not sure it was even doing anything, but it did start to help after like three separate cycles. So like and nine then in months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Three separate cycles, but I started to, but when you're finally feeling something, it's a big deal, you know, mm -hmm. like, so it started to help my jaw. And then the very end pieces, once I got that surgery too, and I finally got bone and then I got a dental implant, mm. um, with, he did the bone and the, the post itself all in the very first surgery, which is almost unheard of. So that combination, I think it's just the, between the Botox, the medications I'm on now, 
the one for the burning that's actually helping. And then the doctor that did the surgery, that combination has saved my life. Wow. Like made it so that I'm not, you know, um, so that I, you know, I can live. So it's, it's crazy, but yeah, like you're uh, still in pain, but not the amount that is yeah, unbearable. Yeah. And human beings yeah. can live in a lot of pain, you know? Yeah, like, it, it puts things in perspective. It's weird. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Where, you know, you can live in pain, but be grateful because right. the level is tolerable. <laughs> I totally, right. that's totally a thing, you know? Yeah. Like, that's absolutely is. a thing I that know. happens with people with chronic pain, where it's just like, I yeah. need to turn the level down a little bit <laughs> yeah. so that I can think through yeah. the screaming of my yes. brain telling me like yes. my brain is constantly sending these screaming signals at me that it hurts yeah. and I can't mm -hmm. function or think. But if I can turn that down, so my brain's just like, ouch, you know? <laughs> my yeah. brain's like, I got yeah. an owie, but I can still focus on other things. Well, That's livable. You because yeah, because and what happened with me almost immediately immediately is you become like hypersensitive to everything. Mm -hmm. Like when you're in pain. Yeah. And oh, yeah. for me, you know what I mean? I'm sure for you too. It's like, you're like, so it's, it's stuff you didn't even notice before. Like how loud everything is. And you know <laughs> what I how mean? annoying everything is. And annoying. <laughs> and even, oh my God, I know, I know it just, yeah. So it does turn that down once you start to get some of the pain yeah. manageable. And then little by little by little, you're kind of like, okay, I can it's okay to have some music on. It's okay to like, you know, like it, it's stuff that I couldn't even tolerate. Yeah. But then you have yeah. gratitude for, you do. for existing yeah. in a way that isn't <laughs> as awful. You know, right. it's like, it's not the world right. that's changing. It's your perception of the world that's changing yeah. because your, your nervous system can handle the world yeah. again. Totally. Um, it's the nervous yeah. system. Yeah. Totally. Wow. I totally, yeah, yeah. I, that's totally real. And yeah, yeah, I, <sighs> I'm so, it's so interesting what happened with your, with your tooth, where yeah. just like having, losing one tooth and then losing that bone, not taking action right away. Yeah. Um, and then having things progressively get worse. And so TMJ, yeah. you know, I, I pulled this mm -hmm. up because I, uh, I never remember yeah. what it stands for. It's temp, temporomandibular joint dysfunction. Yeah, I know it's hard to say. Yeah. TMJ yeah. is temporomandibular joint, which is the, mm -hmm. which is uh, like right on the, under the cheekbone, like the yeah. the jawbone. It's your jawbone, yeah. Yeah. So, and it's it's the classic presentation of TMJ is people grinding their teeth at night will right. have will have jaw pain because um, you know what everybody says. Oh, do you have a night guard? Yep. <laughs> oh, do you wear a night guard? Like, do you do yoga? It's like exactly. I heard you say, oh, exactly it's the same thing. And I'm like, um, I would say, what's well, kind of beyond a night guard? Yeah. Situation. Oh, totally. Well, it's so interesting you that know? this is coming up because <laughs> in the very first week that this uh -huh. podcast came out, I actually uh -huh. recorded an episode with someone on TMJ. It's the only episode I've ever recorded oh. that never came out because oh. um, the person asked me to not release it. And I'm oh. like, you know, I tell yeah. everyone before we start recording that every all my guests have uh, editorial control over the episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is the one time where someone said, you know, I, I don't want this out there. I'm like, okay, it's not coming out. So oh, I yeah. did actually record an episode on TMJ that was TMJ, really, yeah. really fascinating. I learned a lot about, you know, oh. about how like the different ways that it can present. And like this person yeah. had a, like something com completely slipping out of place. And it was insanely That's painful. What they thought, they yeah. thought it was, and they tried to do some physical therapy and I, it made it worse. Hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. And I've actually had a lot of people suspect that my pain might be TMJ, but my pain, my mm-hmm. pain's up higher. It's like up in my right temple, but I guess there are oh, you know what, though? I'll rare tell cases you where you can have TMJ pain in your temple. Yeah. But oh, I, yeah, you know, I get the worst temple pain. I'm on my third night guard. I wear a night guard every night just in case. Oh. <laughs> and I've noticed yeah. no difference. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, my pain seems to go up and down with, with the pain that I have. My temple pain goes up and down with the pain that I have in my foot and like burning sensations in my right arm. And it's mostly on my right side. So it's never made sense to me that it was yeah. TMJ because it's other places, but I'll try anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I, I eventually yeah. spent 500 bucks getting a custom fitted night guard because yeah. I'm like, the and other ones didn't work. Too. I got to try the ultimate yeah. and I've been wearing it for at least like six months with no difference, but I'm going to keep wearing it because, you know, if there's any chance that it will help in the future, like what you said about like Botox injections, you needed nine yeah. months to find, to find yeah. out if it worked. Like that's yeah. something that I am learning recently is that sometimes you have to stick with things for longer than you'd like yes. to find out if they yeah. work. Totally. Yeah. And um, I remember trying medication after medication for very, these various things and it just like, hey, I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. Nothing's work, you know, working or I'm getting, let's say, really bad side effects from something and I'm just not getting relief. So then I, you know, but the Botox, for some reason, I had like, um, I knew it worked for migraines. Yeah. A lot for a lot of people. So I'm like, at least if it can take help ease one thing, I'll do it, you know? Yeah. And so it started to ease help with migraines and the jaw pain. And then, like I said, in conjunction with the, the process, it's basically three separate doctors. It's uh, their neurologist. The rheumatologist is the one that treats the burning. And I found him through like a blog, people talking about him and a blog kind of thing and that he'll acknowledge it and try to treat you. And then, um, and then the dental implant, situation with my mm. oral surgeon i'll just call him or- oral surgeon those three doctors are the three that are like the ones that stand out as very significantly above the rest as mm-hmm. far as just taking action yeah. and just trying and and knowing that this is real yeah the other the others honest to god and then my primary he knows but there was just nothing you could do but honestly the others and the multiple people and the er and all the specialists you know, it's just that, it's just that thing where they're, you know, going to either brush you off, you know, it, like we talked about, they're just nothing out of the box. Yeah. And that's so common, you know, you know what, just we, doing the job. this keeps coming up on the show. It's yeah. like, if, if you see a doctor that dismisses you or doesn't believe you go yeah. see another and keep trying yeah. until you find someone yeah. that will help and it will feel yep. impossible. And the sinking feeling, yeah, the sinking <laughs> feeling of like having a doctor not believe you is is so awful. It's one of the worst feelings that I've had to deal with repeatedly to the point where like going to a new doctor, I will stress about it for days beforehand. Yes. I'll have like preemptive stress about like those, you know, like, and you talked about the two types of doctors, like the ones that don't believe you or the ones that might believe you, but have nothing Uh to offer because they're too overwhelmed by what you're saying. And and then there is the third type, which you've also talked about the ones that will try and they're out there. Yeah. It's just like they're the, the percentage yep. is small. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunately, yeah. I'm in an area that's a good medical area. Like, mm. and I do acknowledge there are people out there that are not in the For most popular sure. areas. For sure. And I also acknowledge I also have 
decent health coverage. You know, the, the, the dental stuff spent a lot for dental stuff. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> the oral surgery stuff is not covered and um, had to spend a ton of money, but I knew this doctor was sincere and he was going to help me and he did. He saved my life. So, um, you know, those surgeries added up and stuff. And that's why I say, I wish it was considered medical, but I do recognize there are people going back that don't have what I have. And in the way of the uh, (laughs) privilege of, you know, the healthcare access. And your Um, gratitude for that is incredible based off of what you've been put through, which was horrific. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 I'm curious to ask. So, you didn't take action right, right away on this tooth thing and it became yeah. so much worse. Yeah. How, how do you feel about that now? That must be a complicated thing to think about. Well, I think the, I chalk it up to the fact that um, I, I had like attempted to get an Im, a dental implant and. Uh, <laughs> and the doctor kind of convinced you not to. He's like, oh, this is too yeah. complicated. Yeah. Yeah. You did yeah. mention that. Yeah. It's yeah, too complicated. Yeah. So I thought, oh, Wow okay, then I guess I just leave it and deal with it later. But I, you know, I was such a worker bee working, got my son, got, you know, just life, you know, you're just surviving life and get, you know, and then it's not top of mind. Like it was crazy how like I didn't really even think about it. And then I could have been kicking myself, but I was kind of like, but he said he couldn't help me. And like, he was a good oral surgeon and like, and then everybody else I saw, didn't ever say, Oh, well, you're missing this tooth or like, no, it was on no one's radar and dental stuff. Isn't talked about really very much. So, um, it's a really kind of odd category because when I would try to go get help, like I said, it's like, Oh, you need to see dental. Oh no, you need to see medical. Like they kept toggling me back and forth. I would go to an endodontist thinking I need a root canal then, oh, you need to go see a, a doctor about like the pain and the TMJ and the migraine. Like it was just, so it was just very, like, I almost don't even know what to make of it because it was such an odd circumstance, but I'm like thinking, wow, there's other people out there missing teeth who have had bad extract. Like what is going on out there? And so I asked my oral surgeon Cause it threw off my bites. Here's another thing. I couldn't even chew food because my bite bite all of a sudden was so off. I couldn't even like put my teeth together. Hmm. And like, even to the point where <laughs> like when I was in that jail, they gave me some food at the end. I was starving by the end of it all. And in the ward suicide ward, you know, I couldn't even eat. I couldn't even eat the food because I couldn't even chew the food. Like I literally was like only doing yogurt. and I lost like 20 pounds within probably the first six months of my pain because I couldn't chew food. Like all of a sudden my teeth, you even mention, Oh, my bite is off. I can't chew food. People are like, they think you're crazy. Like it's so it's just the whole thing. It's almost even hard to even know what to think of it all. But I asked my oral surgeon because I see him every couple of months. I don't go to a dentist anymore. I only see him like he actually has a hygienist in his office. He teaches also, he has a a teaching practice out of his, um, his practice. So he does surgeries and teaches dentists in his facility and he travels the world and does lectures. And I asked him, so he's, he does, he says, Danielle, I'll just do your dental work. Like just come in here because he knows how traumatized I've been. Like he did 
even did a filling on me and he never does that. So like, he's amazing. Amazing. So he knows what I've been through. So he's like, you know, just come in here from now on. <laughs> so I do. And so I get to see him and I said, you know, do you, when you travel the world and you see people in these third world countries and you see people with these dental situation, you know, like, are there people like me, like they've lost a tooth and it's disrupted everything. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, and do you see people who like their bite is so bad they can't chew food? He's like, yes. And people that are so dire, like they literally are in ex- like excruciating pain. Like, and he's like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, wow, wow. I'm like, I'm not the only one. I'm like, this is not, this is actually a thing. And, you know, there was one time I was in his office and there was a woman coming into his dental practice. I say dental, but it's really just like oral surgery. And she was hunched over in pain in a, in a uh, wheelchair. And this is because of a dental issue. Wow. And so like, that's just something I feel like it's out there, but it's hidden or something. And it's a world I didn't even know about until it snuck up on me overnight. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. It's yeah. I, I saw this chiropractor once who said everything's connected to everything, you know, like our yeah. bodies are a system. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's, it is very interesting that it started yeah. with this tooth issue and, you know, started to lose bone, but then you, then you also got this, uh, myalgia, you know, and it seems knows? like yeah. maybe something triggered something else or like, you're just yep. in, in so much pain that your nervous system yep. Like it's a switch is flipped and something. A switch is flipped. Yeah. yeah that's just what starts... I'm kind of making of it now. Yeah. Yeah. Switch is flipped with the nerves. I'm thinking the nerves and the pain in the face because even my therapist, she's a psychologist. She thinks that um, because she's seen me for a couple of years, she really does think it is something with my nervous system, like the nerve, it, like a, a switch was flipped literally yeah. with maybe the trigeminal nerve. Or I also have, um, been diagnosed more recently with occipital occipital neuralgia <clears throat> and that's just another nerve it's a nerve that's uh, affecting neck pain hmm. and it's just basically it's like a flare-up in a nerve and it affects you know i just have constant pain and uh it's right behind my left ear it's almost all left-sided hmm. and trigeminal nerve pain is mostly left-sided i do get pain all over and burning all over but um but it is literally like once you flip that switch it's sometimes hard to turn it around, I guess. And so, you know, it's, um, I think it's just, I'm with, I'm in, I know I'll deal with pain forever, but, but I'm, I'm okay with it now, obviously, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, it's so hard to get to that point, you know, to, to have the switch flipped and then feel like (laughs) nothing will ever be the same and you'll never be, you know, you'll never be able to exist without pain, but then to, And, and I mean, for your story, I mean, to, to live through attempting to take your own life yeah. and then not only to live through that, but to finally get answers yeah. and to finally yeah. find people that are willing to help you yeah and then to get better and to yeah. get to a place where your pain is livable and manageable. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. You know, never thought it would happen. Yeah. I really didn't, but it just, you know, I had days and days and days I just didn't function and. I didn't want to see a doctor ever again in my life. I was just like, you know, how does you go in for the visit and it's, you're waiting for that visit. Sometimes you're waiting a month or two or whatever. Sometimes you get in right away, who knows? And they say the things to you that immediately you just know that 
Yep. They yeah. don't, they don't get it exactly. or they don't want to get yeah. it. And your heart sinks and you just go through the motion of the last, whatever minutes of that appointment. And you go home with your head, you know, your head down. And I remember my son feel so bad. The hardest part, honestly, for me was having a child that witnessed this because I was embarrassed. I went from mm. functioning to not functioning. I was, you know, able to use, go to the beach with them, do things with them, help them with homework. Like I couldn't do anything. And then all of a sudden I don't want him to think I'm depressed and I'm trying to tell him I'm just in pain. But then like, I remember him looking at me when I would come home from appointments and it breaks my heart, but he would look at me like, is this the time she has help? Is she getting help? You know, mm. is this the time she's going to get an answer? And he's young, you know, but who wants to see their mother in pain and suffering and not getting help? And the, the, most people think you go to the doctor, you're going to get help or, or you try another doctor, then you're going to get help. But him seeing me defeated was just, I would like, I couldn't even almost look at him because I didn't want him to see the defeat on my face. Um, and, you know, I knew my, my mom could take it. My husband, people could take it, but not my kid. Yeah. And so that was really tough. I would say that was the toughest part. I would try to hold my head high, you know, and seem like I would be sometimes in horrible pain and just totally trying to keep it together in front of them, you know, and oftentimes I'd have to retreat to the bedroom or whatever, or text my husband and say, Hey, I'm not coming downstairs tonight. I'm going to be up here or, you know, and then as he got older, now here and also me going through this divorce process has really opened things up and he's now 20. It's like, he knows everything now and everything. And I <laughs> never, yeah, he didn't, he, I just didn't want him to be fearful and live in fear for me. So I kept as much as I could from him. I just wanted him to also kind of have like a normal childhood and not worry. Like he has his own worries, you know? Did so he not know just, did he not know about your suicide attempt in, when it happened? So this is what's interesting is um, <clears throat> he said more recently he overheard wow. it and knew. But I came to him about the divorce and started crying. And he and I are both not big criers, but. I just had had a moment and I was crying and he hugged me and we're not even, he's not even like, you know, a big hugger, but he came and hugged me and, and I was standing there and I was really vulnerable. And I said, it's, I'm overwhelmed. I'm just overwhelmed. And, and I, it came out and I had to just get everything out. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, mom, I know. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I know I, I overheard already and I've known and, it was just like such a relief, hmm. you know, like, oh, that's because that's kind of where I'm at in life now. It's just such a relief to finally have everything out on the table and know that my son's old enough now to handle it. And so it's kind of like I've come a long way in the last five years. And um, yeah, I don't know why I just was protecting him. I just didn't want him to be fearful for me. And if there's, you know, I'm not shame. I'm not like, I don't feel shameful about it, but, but with him, it's different. It's my kid. Yeah. You want to be like the strong parent. Absolutely. And yeah. And I never wanted, and I said, and you know, you don't ever, I told him, you don't ever have to worry about me <clears throat> in now going forward. So don't be feel fearful for me. And he's like, no, I get it. He's like, you're over the hump. 
you're over the hump. So he, he gets the big picture. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so it's good now. That's incredible. And I mean, I yeah. can just tell from talking to you, you said at the beginning, you feel like you have a new lease on life and yeah. you are, you're giving off that yeah. energy, you know, like yeah. you are, you seem, you seem calm and present and you seem yes. like you have accepted what's happened to you and accepted yourself and yeah. kind of learn how to, you know, live more in harmony with yourself. Maybe, totally. maybe in a way that's yeah. even beyond what you would have had before this Absolutely. whole pain thing started five Absolutely. years ago. Which yep. that's incredible. I mean, yeah, that is possible. You know, yeah. There's so much that's yep. possible, and when you're when you're in the midst of feeling like nothing good is possible, yeah. You know, I. It is important to know that that good things are still possible, and yeah, to have yeah. you share your story today and to be this open and candid about it is incredible because it is yeah. real world proof of what it, is yeah. possible. You know, like what. You sharing this it's with with the yeah. audience, you know, and yeah. anyone who's ever felt anything similar of like, I am never going to get out of pain to the point where I can function. You don't know that, you know, like yeah. we're talking to Danielle, yeah. you felt that way yeah. and yeah. it changed, you know, you, you, mm -hmm. you got over that hump and that's so, so powerful to know. You know, yeah. I, sh I shared with you at the very, before we started recording that, um, that I had, uh, someone that I knew took their own life because of chronic pain um, yeah. a few years before I started this podcast and it was part of my wanting to start the podcast is, mm -hmm. to, you know, mm -hmm. from what I understood, this person felt like they were never going to get help and had no one to talk to about it. <laughs> Been there. And oh, I, my I, I, I yeah. had never at that point, I'd never had a friend to talk to about being in chronic pain. And I would <laughs> have, I was, I, I was like desperate to talk to her about it once I knew that she was in chronic pain, yeah. but she was already yeah. gone. And, yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't know her very well. And, um, from what I knew of her, I, she was a very cool person. And I, I, I just like felt like that opportunity being lost to, to comfort each other, you know, yeah. and I don't know if I could have made a difference, but I would have liked to have tried. And it really, you know, pushed me to want to start talking about what I'm experiencing out loud. And that's, Absolutely. that's what eventually yeah. turned into this podcast. Like that's sort it's of amazing. where like, the seed of this idea came from. So much. It means so much to me your podcast and to the other people that are tuning in, because to me, it's very unique. Um, maybe it's not, but like there's other pain medical type podcasts, but this is very unique because it's such a turnoff to people exactly. to even talk about pain and yeah, I'm less social. Yeah. I like, you know, more recently I'm just getting in touch with friends again, a little bit here and there, but like, it's people don't want to necessarily hang out with people in pain right. people don't and people in pain don't necessarily want to hang out. It's just, right. It's a catch 22. So we and keep so quiet. This, yeah. Yeah. We keep quiet. So it's this, like, it's this lost kind of little world and yeah. there's so many people not to be like a total downer, but like, there's so many people suffering and I had never been, that was never really in my awareness until this happened to me. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in the the mental facility, the suicide ward, I mean, those people are suffering and I had never been around people at that level of suffering all in one room kind of thing. Like, and whether it's mental illness or physical pain or you name it or abuse, whatever, I mean, to be thrust into that world almost overnight from like a world, like, I mean, my dad had suffered from pain a lot through his life, but I didn't get it. I just didn't get it. And I was a little bit distant with my dad and vice versa. And 
we weren't very close, but I mean, we lived together <laughs> when I was younger, but like, I didn't get it. And you almost don't get it until you've gone through it. Obviously, if you've been close to it, but yeah. like when you've been through it and then you're thrust into it, it's it's just this like untalked about world. Yeah. And uh, so you're going back to your podcast. Thank you for doing this because it touches, it's like has touched me so much and others that relate because it needs to be talked about. Like it, that's what helped me tremendously was hearing other people's stories whether it's like been through your podcast um, and prior to your finding your podcast for me, it was just even like finding other stories online. I even like um, there's a book I read called believe me. And you know, it's someone dealing with Lyme disease and not being believed. That's so complicated too. And that her story. And I just, that would keep me so motivated to stay up and keep going because I'm like, I am not alone. And there are people suffering and there are people still suffering, unfortunately, you know, and there's also people that are finding their way through it. And I just, I don't know. I just, I could, it's like, I, like you said, you listen to podcasts all the time. It's like addictive almost like you just want to hear more and more stories and about these people that are in your world because I don't know, it just, it helps me so much. I can't even you know, put words into it. Well, and I have to thank you because, because your willingness to be open and talk about what you've been through. I mean, it's, it's so powerful, you know, and, and yeah, it it is a, it it is like a, a a rite of passage, you know, to, to go through so, to, to go through enough pain to understand what it is (laughs) to be in chronic pain and then to be able to finally believe other people and hear them and and understand their stories. Cause I remember what it was like to uh-huh. to question people when they told me they were in chronic oh, pain yeah. or to not want to hear oh, it. Yeah. You know, I used to yeah. be that. And like yep. me too. Me yeah. Too. And I, you know, if yep. someone used to talk about their chronic pain, I would get uncomfortable. Like that's what I used to be. Until it happened yeah. to me. And then yep. and because of the way that I used to react, I wouldn't want to talk about it because I knew it would make people uncomfortable. Because it used to make There's me uncomfortable. So then you hold too. it in, you know. It almost feels weird even talking to you because yeah it's rare you find people that you can talk to like this. Yeah, totally. And, you can Why already do you think I love right doing this so much? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Right like to even bring up seven people start to like have a blank stare Yeah, and you're like, Oh shoot. You know, yeah. like how much can I say? You know, totally. Like, oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. And that that's part of why I love doing this is to be able to have these discussions uh-huh. and to freely talk about the thing that I held in for so long. Yeah. And you know, like you yeah. said, talking to your son and finally being able to, lay it all out on the table yeah, like yeah. We, we need to express what we're experiencing as humans mm-hmm. like that's crucial mm-hmm. like that's yeah. that's why therapy is so helpful and yeah um, you know it's a it's a fundamental part of being human is that you need to be able to express yourself and yeah. when you hold something in forever when you're trying to, to deny who you are or what you've been through yeah uh, it builds up that. and it builds up and, and yep. it makes you unhappy so yeah to, to have to deal with that on top of chronic pain of is mm-hmm. not fair. It's not fair. Yeah. And if I can mm-hmm. if I can help with that in any way, then I'm thrilled. And if I can mm-hmm. do that for myself 
by doing this show, then I'm also thrilled. You know, I, every every mm-hmm. conversation, I, I get something out of it that like touches me on a deep level. Totally. You know? And that absolutely happened today. You know, like hearing yeah. your story has like, yeah, it's, it's really incredible what you've been through and the way yeah. that you've been willing to share it. I'm just I'm yeah. pretty floored. <laughs> Thank you. And I can see, and I can see how people think like, oh, by talking about pain, they're just sulking or they're just you know, being a victim or they're just, and it's really not, Mm-mm. it's really not because it's not like that's all we're doing. I mean, it's just, it's just how we're living. And when we can talk about it with the right people, we do. Exactly. And I if mean, we don't talk about it with the right people, we do sulk in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. Cause I'm definitely like a pull my bootstraps up, get it done. You know, like it's, I consider myself a very strong person. So I know it's not like me just whining and, you know, it's literally just, it's just, yeah. So yeah, it feels good to know though, when you do find like, like your person that gets you. Yeah. Um, and it is like a rite of passage. It's interesting you say that because that is how it feels totally. literally. Yeah. yeah. And you, I mean, it, it's so interesting that like, you, I'll bet now if you went to a doctor, they uh-huh. would, they would believe you because, because yeah. You're yeah. coming from it from a place of like, I've gotten better because of these things. That's when yeah. doctors believe you, which is so frustrating totally. because totally. it's like, how do I yeah. get to that place without your help? You know, right. how do I get there without a doctor being willing to help me? And Total Catch 22, I know. Yeah, it's absolutely. Just, it's, yeah. it's a trap that is it's so hard to get through, but it's yep. possible. It just sucks. Yeah. It sucks. It's possible. Yeah. yeah. God, I didn't think it was, but it is. Yeah. It is. I know. Well, I have I one last question for you. Yeah, sure. And this might be a tough one, but you know, we've talked about you being at this point where you attempted to take your own life. Yeah. And how you survived that and you've gotten to this yeah. point now where you have a new lease on life. Yeah. And this may be an impossible question to answer, but is there anything okay. you could have told yourself at your worst moment that might have helped? Well, I mean, it's funny. I always thought like, you know, I can survive this. I can survive this if I know it's going to get better. But like when you're like, God, I don't know though. Right. Like that's when like, I can't, I can't do this. Um, so I guess like it, that I'm going to be okay. Like mm. it's it, that I'm going to find the help. It's there. I'm going to find it. And I honestly, um, it would have, it, it just would have helped tremendously had I known, but you can't see the future. And, um, I'm just, you know, beyond grateful that I made it and, um, yeah, just that I, it would just going to work. It's going to be okay. I mean, yeah. God, cause I really didn't think it was going to be okay. Well, and, you know, and it's you, still not great. It's not great, <laughs> <laughs> but it's manageable. And you know it's what you manageable. just said? You can't see the future that yeah. goes for the good and the bad, you yeah. know, in this moment where you feel like yeah. I can't see the future and it feels like the future feels like it's going to be bad. You yeah. can't see the future. The future might be better. You never know. There, yeah. there are infinite possibilities in the universe. Yeah. And, and to leave the possibility of progress on the table yeah. can be really difficult because really it, tough, it can yeah. feel like you're holding on to false hope forever. But It does. I know. Yeah. I know. And then you let go and then you grab on and then you let go. It's yeah. just this crazy making. I know. Yeah. I know. But it's possible. You're proof of yeah. it. You, yeah. Your story... Yeah. happened and you know <laughs> yeah and, and we get to know that now and that's yeah. incredible that's so powerful i know and for you too because yeah. i know it's i know you're still on your rough road and um if anything i hope that it is 
proof, you know? Um, and I do think things are interconnected. I mean, I kind of like worked in that industry, Mm -hmm. mind, body, spirit, things are interconnected. And it's like, I believed it, but I kind of like, I never believe in anything hundred percent. I'm always kind of a little bit of a skeptic Mm -hmm. and, but the physical body though, I really do, you know, I'm not surprised everything in your body though. It is connected like the tooth, Yeah, you know, I mean, it's all, I think it's all pretty darn connected. So yeah, totally. Yeah. And the thing yeah. that I don't like is when people tell me, "Oh, well, if you just like you know attune your heart thing. and mind and body, then oh, your God. pain will go away." Then oh, I just want to slap them. But hey, I worked in that industry. Yeah. <laughs> I even up the street was talking to a neighbor, and they literally said, "You know, it's in your head, don't you?" Yeah. See, that's and not I was cool. like, "No, it's not cool." But yeah. I'm so used to like it that I kind of almost like. Oh, here we go. Right. And I just thought I'm not going to be talking to them much more because I don't I don't want to be around it. You know, it's kind of yeah, like totally. Yeah, but, but I the don't thing really about it, want, the, the thing yeah. about it that is true is that uh-huh. if you if you pay attention to your mental health and you yeah. and you try to treat yourself kindly and you know, yeah, self care yeah. and and therapy yeah. and getting out in nature and getting a little yeah. bit of movement or exercise if you can to to try to help with your mental health. You know, it it it's not going to solve your problems with chronic pain, but it can make the mm-hmm. chronic pain journey more manageable, and for sure, and it for can sure. make the path that you're walking a little less rocky. And that's oh, the thing absolutely. that I've been really focusing on and feeling like it has been helping recently. And you know, me too. And that's been awesome. Like I'm still, I yeah. am still on my journey, but I'm in a good place, yep. even though I yeah. don't have answers. Yeah, I, and I'm getting good yeah. help finally. And you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to send off my genetic testing kit this week and hopefully have yeah. some new information in the next couple yeah, months. Yeah, I've never done that. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, it's like, <clears throat> yeah, there's, there is so much that progress that can happen inside of I know, what feels impossible. I know. Yeah. yeah, my heart goes out to you, though. It really does. And I, well, I feel like that. this is something where um, I just like, as you probably do, you just see people differently now. You know, it's oh, like yeah. you stop. I like I noticed things I never noticed before, like someone who is on the street corner and needs help or, you know, and not that I'm like this saint, but like I tune into things I never tuned into before. Mm -hmm. Mostly people that are maybe in pain or need help or they're disabled in the grocery store and someone's helping them get their growth. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, I kind of, I stop for a moment and take it in and I'm grateful for that because that would be something I would just tune out. And so I think that's kind of more what life is really about. Yeah. And that I feel like I'm more of a, like, a, like, in, I don't know. It just quality. It just has changed my whole quality of life in that sense that I was just kind of going through the motions maybe before. And mm. then, like you said, getting out in nature, I used to be like going to the gym and working out, you know, go, go, go. And it's kind of like, I can't, I can't do any of that because I physically, my body can't do even do weights anymore. I can't do any little weights. Like, I can't do, um, but what I can do is I can go for walks and I go every day. And there were times that my pain was so bad. I was in the house, you know, literally just in the house. I couldn't leave the house and get the mail or nothing. But now that I'm over the hump kind of thing, like, just like you said, just being out in nature and fresh air, walking my dogs when I can walk my dogs. Um, and those little, they sound so small, but they're, they just, you know, it's so important, so good for your mind and everything and, and movement wherever you can, even though movement seems contradictory mm-hmm. and there's times you got to let yourself off the hook and just be like, eh, not, not moving much today. Um, 
it's just, yeah, all that stuff does really matter. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for an incredible, Sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> incredible episode of the podcast. Yeah, you did an incredible job. Thank I know I, I always offer people an opportunity to plug anything they want to share. And you, to plug. you told me beforehand you got nothing to plug. So we'll move on past that. I got a lot of things going on, but no, nothing yeah. to plug. <laughs> well, we'll just wrap up with another okay. heartfelt thank you for, thank for being you. so open and willing yeah. to share and for bringing us into your journey and you know giving giving us a little glimpse of of the hope that can be found when it feels like there can be none because that is such a gift so yeah. danielle amazing job thank you so much thank you thank you for having me thanks for listening to this episode of major pain i'm jesse mercury your host and the producer of this podcast artwork by egg salad salad our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons, Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters-Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, and Alexandria Henderson. And our $25 per month producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.